Holy God, Father of all peace, Father of all grace, we thank you for allowing us to resort back to you tonight, to learn at your feet and to worship you. Thank you for the many blessings and the many answered prayers that you've given to us. Some of our folks had their kids um, the hospital beds past few weeks and now past few days and are back home safely and with good testimonies. Lord, we thank you for the answer to our prayers. And again, we have come this evening not trusting in our own intellect, not trusting in our own education. We've come trusting and kneeling before the, the Holy Spirit that he might teach us and open our mind tonight to understand what the Holy Scriptures will be teaching us today. So I pray that you'll be with me and as I coordinate this teaching, that all of us may learn, both us that are here physically and those who are joining online. Pray that the end of this meeting will be to the glory of your name. Restrain the hand of the evil one and deliver us from distractions that we may learn tonight. Not just to learn, but to learn and do them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please return to your seat. How many of you were here last week? Okay. So we look at uh, the issue of inspiration and canonicity of the scripture. Inspiration and canonicity of the scriptures. So is there anyone in this hall or online that is not, maybe have other things to clear or find from the teaching of last week in relation, in regards to the matter of inspiration and the canon of the scriptures? If you're not asking me question, it's assumed that you know everything now. So, yeah, Brother Fred. Yeah. So, not too clear. Okay, who can help? Since all of us, what is the difference between inspiration and illumination? That's a good question. I mentioned that last week. Who is making an attempt? Samson, how raising your hand? Or you are pointing your hand? Inspiration is what is given by, by revelation, and illumination is understanding what has been given. Okay, another person. No, you don't need to be shy. Yes, Eliezer? No. So, um, Inspiration versus illumination. Is that the question? Were you not in this house? Okay. So, um, inspiration is um, when the Holy Spirit 
if we're talking about inspiration of the biblical writers, uh, with the Holy Spirit moving those men, carrying them along, and giving them scripture, them writing scripture. That is that one is for the original writers of scripture. For us now who have received the Bible, we are no longer inspired. What happens is illumination. Illumination is, for example, this place was dark before and the light was put on. So what the Holy Spirit does for us is not to give us new new scripture or new revelation. Instead, the Holy Spirit he puts on the light so that we may see clearly that which has been given to us. I think Pastor was preaching this on Sunday that the Holy Spirit will take the things of Christ and make them more real, more powerful, more efficient in the life of believers. So as it comes to the scripture, that's called the illumination. Are you are you sure? Are, are you okay now? Okay, okay now, okay. Yeah. Okay. You want to add or you want to ask? to what has been established already. Please, GB say they should let them in. Okay. So, um, will we say when Christ on the way of Emmaus with those two disciples, because they say why he talked to us, our heart born and their eyes open to the scriptures. Can we say that was like an illumination of the scriptures? Yeah. Yeah. You can, you can stretch that. Even though you don't find that word illumination there, what he did is that he opened their understanding to to the scriptures. Yeah, the Holy Spirit that indwells the believers as we pick up the Holy. What we believe is that we don't have inspired apostles today again in relationship to writing or receiving scriptures from God. The job of the pastor now, some of you that, that's part of the reason we talk, we talk about some offices have ceased. Because if God is giving new revelation, it means scripture needs to be updated every, every year. And scriptures were given by the inspiration of God, by God breathing on those holy men to write by carrying them, carrying them along by the Holy Spirit. So you and I are not inspired. Okay? Uh, but the Holy Spirit shed light when you are reading the scripture. That sometimes when you are not spiritual, uh, you can't really discern the things of the Spirit and you are lost. There are a lot of Muslims that go to Bible school to learn the scripture so that they can use it for the sake of apologetics. They, they, will, they will leave the school more confused that they that they came. The reason is that the things of the spirit are spiritual and they are spiritually discerned. So the job of the Holy Spirit is to illuminate, is to not to give us new interpretation because I must be careful. Some will say, okay, yeah, as I'm, as I'm reading Psalm 23 today, uh, the Holy Spirit illuminates my heart to understand the scripture in this way. And then tomorrow again, the same Holy Spirit illuminates your heart to understand that scripture differently. And these are the basis for multiplicity of ministries around. So it's okay. Yeah, if Apostle 
X, Y, and Z is interpreting that scripture in that way. That's how the Holy Spirit has shown him. And if uh, Pastor JYS is interpreting the scripture in this particular manner, that's how the Holy Spirit has given him. And I think the confession is quite explicit and said uh, that is the, the interpretation of every given text is not manifold. It does it not, it's not a you don't have varied contract conflicting interpretation for any text. For every text, there is an original intention that to, uh, uh, in the mind of God to the original recipients of that text. But because it was God and God the Holy Spirit writing to his people, he does, he did, had us in mind. So the scripture was written to the original uh, recipient, but was written false. So in interpreting the scripture, the work of hermeneutics is that you are going to sit down, the, the work, uh, you are doing, do, do your, uh, 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 the job of a pastor is that you are doing, um, you are looking at the scripture, you are going back to the original text, if you, if you have the, the, the working knowledge, you are going back to, the first question is that this particular passage before me, to whom were, were they given originally when it was written? Like when Paul said, Timothy, when you are coming, give me, give me my, my parchment. Uh, Alexander the Great, Alexander the, the Coppersmith did me evil, all those things. Who was writing to Timothy? You first of all go back to that time. Then from there you come back here and say, "Okay, this text now, how does it make sense to us today?" So yeah, that is all about. So you are not going to like, okay, um, okay, is that how it means to you? Well, my Bible, my Bible, or my Holy Spirit is telling me this. Your own is telling you that. If if there is one Holy Spirit. And he's one is a single author of the scripture, he will not be giving conflicting, conflicting interpretation to the text of the scripture. Yes, for your Kevin. Can you pass it okay? Yes, man. Are there portions of scripture that can have maybe varied interpretation, maybe depending on um uh, okay, are there portions of scripture that can have varied interpretation per individual? Example. Um Not things like that. Come on, Elias, I don't know for trouble. <laughs> not things like that. No, my pastors. What, what is what is no doesn't not really doctrinal issues, but okay, let's say for instance, things that apply practically to us. Maybe there's a portion of scripture that speaks to something that maybe you're experiencing and um, you know, and then when you read it you have a different at this point, you're looking at this, you're looking at the area of subjectivism. When you look at a particular, you are going through some stuff, and then you open the Bible, and it cannot speak specifically to what you are going through, and you kind of get comfort from it. Hmm? That's a, that is kind of subjective, but if you stand here to explain that particular text, your subjective experience does not trump the meaning. 
so yes, Eliezer. So, um, maybe I was trying to ask my question in that question, so let me ask my own. Um, is it possible for there to be difficulty in interpreting a text, like great difficulty in getting to the um, to the to the meaning? For yeah. example, um, when some people talk about, I will even talk about women elders, mm-hmm. and when you go to the Roman 16 and they say junior is a masculine name, is a feminine name, and some of those issues, and then people differ on that. Now those are different interpretations. So people can be evangelical in the sense of they believe. Another thing is when Paul says, I do not allow a woman to teach or exercise authority. So some people say that means a woman is not supposed to preach at all or teach at all. And that interpretation is that it means that a woman can do it, but not she can do it under the covering of a male elder. Mm-hmm. So now, how do we reconcile that? Or you can do it. You can preach to children and women. Uh, no, that one is biblical. Oh, it's biblical. Mean, in terms of okay, in terms of that, a woman should not teach. I don't even see any de- all this all the example you've given, as far as I am concerned, and as far as I don't know, do you have difficulty? No, I'm saying we are just giving a generic. Yeah, people interpret that some people will even listen to mm-hmm. like some of our somebody like yeah for, for like instance the issue of for, let's talk of some serious thing like issue of tithing uh-huh, something like that yeah not that. every preacher uh, our pro believe in tithing uh the 10% as binding principle Conrad Mbere believe that tithing is a, is a principle that is binding 10% but there are some uh, evangelical, honorable uh, exegetes that think that the 10% is no longer binding uh, on the church. And you have spectrum of this understanding. People say, okay, it's not binding, but it's a principle that you can forgive him, at least like a, a baseline, something that to guide you in giving and all that stuff. And, but but, but in all of this, whether you agree that the that sight is not binding today, what is the overarching principle? Giving, yeah, yes. Giving is overarching principle. The, the main, the but the, the material principle, the material principle remain the same. Uh, it, it, it does not alter. Today, if you are in this church, you don't give tithes. But you are disciplined to give generously, abundantly. As as far as we are not going to put a God, it's not a matter of church discipline. It's a matter of freedom. So the issue, particular issue of secondary, what we call the secondary matters within the framework of uh, uh, church. Yeah, you can a little bit, diff- but fundamental things in church, you cannot go to the scripture and have various interpretation. Uh, that, that's what I want to. So, like in, in the secondary matters, does it mean there's no one right way? Because that there is, there is, sound. and that's why we say the church is is reform and continue to to reform, and that's why we believe that is is the scripture. Sometimes this contradiction comes from context where people are not disciplined, disciplined students of the Bible. People don't want to really go the whole hog in. It, we dodge hard, hard surfaces. Like if the scripture is difficult, we just we skirt around it. We don't really. We are not doing great job. And in some instances, there are no appetites on the part of the congregant to even learn. So the pastor just skirt around it and move on. 
And then, uh, if not, if you really want to be serious, we sit on it until we look. We allow scripture to interpret scripture. Okay, this text. We look at it together, and then we can come to a very good and firm uh, conclusion. Particular a text. There's no text that we're going to be cavalier and say, okay, well, 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 I'm not too sure. Well, is that? I, I, I know of a preacher who was my lecturer that, that teaches like that. Was a was a pastor of a particular church. I preach in his church. His Sunday service is like this. You'll be preaching, and then you are free to raise your hand during preaching. I mean, the whole thing is chaotic. And I say, oh, yeah, you are right there. Yeah, of course, the scripture also is right. I think you are not too wrong. Yeah, another person is okay. So before you know, all of us are actually right. And then, <laughs> of course, uh, he left his pastorate after. So yeah, we should seek and grind and burn the candle until you get down to uh, the bottom. And luckily, those difficult passages in the scripture are very few, isn't it? They're not like all over the place. The, 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 the difficult scriptures, most of them are not, uh, there are not many, there are very few. And they are not, they are not uh, touching the primary things. Yeah, so we can thank God for that. Yeah, uh, oh, GB cannot talk. GB has been dreaming of uh, the issue of hermeneutics recently. I've been reading some stuff. Uh, if you can share any thoughts, you can write it, you can text, you can write it, then you can read it out from here. Since we are online. Uh, tonight, let me note this, this. We have to be very careful with this. Don't be in that place to say, okay, "Oh, is that what your is, is that what God is telling you today?" I mean, I've been that preacher before, where a singular passage can have ten meanings. Okay, for instance, Isaiah six. In the year that King Uzziah died, I didn't see the Lord. And then you you know who Uzziah is right now. And then you, you yeah. And then you, you preach with sweat and they ask you, who is Uzziah? You don't even know who Uzziah is. Oh, do you know Uzziah died? That your, your eyes on that one died. Be very careful. Uh, and they you now hide behind. I, I, was, I, I don't know if I give that exam before. When I was much younger as a youth president, one teaching elder in my church, former church, preach. This guy ought not to preach at all. There are many people behind the pulpit that ought not to preach completely. And then he will preach. Every Sunday, he will, anytime he's going to preach, open to Isaiah, so we'll open there. And then we get there. It, the, the passage is not even in the Bible. And then we are looking for it. Ezekiel, oh, sorry, pardon me. It's, it's in Ezekiel. And then we go to Ezekiel, it's not there. And then maybe finally he will find it somewhere. It's okay. And then there will be noise. Say, so why, why are you making noise? If this church is spiritual, when I see Isaiah, you could have known that I meant uh, Ezekiel. And later he blamed the witches in the church that anytime I want to preach, there's some women in the church that witch that shot arrow at his brain, then he's going to be upside down. So I told you, huh? So, well, since. You're always getting out of preaching. You stop preaching. <laughs> yeah, leave me alone. 
If not one that will kill you from this pulpit, as they are shooting arrow into your brain, maybe next time the arrow will go into your heart and they will have a corpse in the church. Of course, sooner or later, he became a false prophet, uh, collecting indomie, and uh, he will fast on behalf of people uh, with, with uh, bone vita and, uh, and milk. Oh, that, that's where it will go. And I want you to be aware of liberal theology out there that want to question almost everything, trying to put doubt in your heart. The Bible is clear. Clear. The things that pertains to your salvation and life is so obvious and clear and unambiguous. If you stay on that line, it will not derail. If a man bring the use of junior, is junior masculine or feminine, tell them you don't have time. I mean, you don't have time to, to talk about whether this thing is, is Allow those who are in the academics to bother themselves about junior, whether it's a masculine name or a feminine name. Yeah. Tonight we are in paragraph four of chapter one of uh, 1689, Second London Baptist Confession of Faith. We just call it 1689 straight away. Because you guys have eaten into my time, let me read the two paragraphs. It's basically about the authority of the scripture and uh, self-authentication of uh, the scriptures. Paragraph four. Sorry, I forgot to post it on the group chat today, but you can listen. The authority of the Holy Scripture for which it ought to be believed dependeth not upon the testimony of any man or church, but wholly, completely upon God, who is truth itself. The author thereof, therefore, it is to be received because it is the word of God. Second Peter chapter 1 verse 19 to 21. Second Timothy chapter 3 verse 16. Second Thessalonians chapter 2 verse 13. First John chapter 5 verse 9. There are more passages uh, than these if you read Samuel Wardron. Paragraph 5. We may be moved and induced by the testimony of the church of God to an high and reverend esteem of the Holy Scriptures and the heaven, the heaviness of the matter, the efficacy of the doctrine and the majesty of the style, the consent of all the parts, <clears throat> excuse me, the scope of the whole, which is to be, which is to give all glory to God the full discovery it makes of the only way of man's salvation and many other incomparable excellencies and entire perfections thereof are arguments whereby it doth abundantly evidence itself to be the word of God. Yet, notwithstanding our full persuasion and assurance of the infallible truth and divine authority thereof is from the inward work of the Holy Spirit bearing witness by and with the word in our hearts. Amen. John 16, verse 13, 14, 1 Corinthians 
2, verse 10 to 12. 1 John chapter 2, verse 20 and 27. Well, maybe we'll read one more scripture from the two paragraphs, then I'll give my quick explanation. Then I will allow you to come back to me with questions. At any rate, if you if if you lost, if you lose me, just raise your hand, then I will I will pause. Uh, I think Second Timothy verse sixteen is already here. Something you did like this. Okay, second good. It should be that's the memory verse. I think even children know that now. All scripture is given by huh? <laughs> all scripture is given by inspiration. Okay. And then it's profitable. Good. So let's turn to book Second Peter chapter one, verse nineteen to twenty-one. I want anyone to read. Any of the adults can stand. Yeah. And we have the prophetic word more fully confirmed to which you would do well to pay attention. And as the lamp shine in that place. Mm-hmm. No prophecy of the scripture comes from one own private interpretations. Mm-hmm. No prophecy, if it is genuine, ever was ever produced by the will of man. Men spoke as they were ferried along by the Holy Spirit. Okay, so that speaks to the, it is, it is, that, this is what the confession is saying. At this point, uh, sorry, Umi, stand up. Uh, move to this. Sit down there. That side. Many of you are familiar with the Protestant Reformation. How many of you are familiar with the Protestant Reformation now? I want to see your hand if you, so that I will. Erica, you're not familiar. You're not familiar with Martin Luther and all the, okay, you're familiar with that. You're familiar with that. Familiar with that. Okay. And I have taught you before, I think you were in Jabi, when I was looking at the, what is the material cause of the reformation. How many of you remember that? We are looking at the four things. I talk about the material cause, the 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 material cause, the effective cause, no, the material cause, the the formal cause, the effective cause, and oh yeah, instrumental cause was the one that uh, scholars added. There are four causes by Aristotle. Uh, you have uh, you have the material cause, you have the uh, 
material cost, formal cost, uh, efficient cost, and the final cost. Okay. I think later the, the biblical scholar added the the instrumental cost. So if justification by faith is the material cost of the Protestant Reformation, Sola Scriptura was the formal cause of the Reformation. Since all of you, most of you have been to the university, let me not kill my time to give you the definition or the distinction between formal cause and material cause. If you don't know that one by now, uh, I'll be surprised. Nigeria, they to Nigeria University. Okay, who went to Turkish University? Uh, okay. So uh, the, 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 the major debate, brother, the, the final, the supreme authority that governed the church and Christian life, to whom or where does it reside? Where is the residence of the official magisterium of the church. The Roman Catholic Church, early on, speak to these issues and said that the Pope is above the scriptures. The Pope and the church, the magisterium, the church magisterium, were above the scripture and the tradition. So the Pope receives illumination or inspiration because they believe in the infallibility of the Pope, of the papacy. So the Pope receives both inspiration and illumination to the scriptures. So whatever the Pope and the bishops comes up with as an official interpretation of the scripture, that is what it is. The suggestion is that it is the church that, that owns the scripture and the church is at liberty to do what he wants to do with the scripture. So the church can actually bend it, mend it, whatever the church wants to do. And they did all they well, wanted to do with the scripture. And the reformers say no, 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 no. The scripture is the magisterium that the church exists because of the scripture. The scripture is, is to the scripture that gave birth to the church, not the other way around. The church does not give birth to the scripture. The scripture gives birth to the church. I remember what you'll be saying last week, that the church never decides which of the book is the canon or enter into the canon. The church merely did what? recognized the books of the Bible. It wasn't that the church made us, okay, uh, let's, let's make a determinant. Let's take a decision and say, okay, we decide that this, no. The church merely recognized the books that went into the canon. And by the time the 1689 were being put down, look at what the the Baptist father said, they said, the scripture, the authority of the scripture, the authority of the scripture that binds our conscience does not depend on the testimony of any man or the church. It is not the church business or any man business 
to say okay, this Bible is authoritative for believe in it. Okay, since Pope, since Pope Leo the Second says that the Bible is authoritative, then I believe. No, that's not what it is. That's what it is. It does not depend on the church or any man. It is not the church that gave the Bible its credibility. Am I too fast for you? It is not the church that gave, or the Pope that gave the Bible is credibility. The Bible is credible in and of itself. It does not depend on the testimony of any man or church, but on God himself, the author of the scripture. It is the Bible that testifies to his own integrity because it is the word of God. Therefore, if it is the word of God, as we have read from 2 Peter, it is to be received without questioning. That is on the authority of the scripture. The Bible is, of, is, is authoritative on itself. Actually, I don't have time to bore you with the idea of authority. Authority, by dictionary definition, means power or right to give orders or make decisions and enforce obedience. The words are used uh, elaborately in the New Testament. It's called exu- uh, ex- exousia. There are two words for power in the New Testament. One is dunamis, the other one is uh, exousia. Okay, uh, so one is interpreted as authority, the other one is interpreted as power. Okay, so the the, the Bible does the, the the Bible does have inherent authority that commands our uh, complete obedience. The Bible is not something you go to as, well, well, I like John. I don't like James. Well, I like Romans. Well, you just, just, no. You don't pick and choose. You don't pick and choose. That's why we, we, the reason, the brain behind me preaching through the book of the Bible, like verse by verse, is that you can't dodge any difficult passage. When you come on it, you stay on it. Okay, that is the authority of the scripture. The second thing is, it, and, and this is in the area of objectivity. This is objective reality of the scripture. I hope you understand when I use the word objective and subjective now. You understand? Sure. Sure. Hear me? Sure. Objective, subjective. You understand what it means? Something. Objective, subjective. Do you understand what they mean? From the word, yeah. Okay, outside the word, yeah. Yeah? Okay. Can you explain? You don't want to. You know, but you don't know you don't know how to say it. Or. Eh? Uh, okay, I just try your best. It won't kill you. We we'll only laugh at you. Uh, thank you. I'm going to call it like that. Mm-hmm. Like broad ice cream cake. Ice cream general cake. Yeah. The way that. The way that. Not what I think. Like, okay. Without. 
So objective, there are facts. All fact. This this is this this Bible is paper is made of uh, I don't know. It's made of what? Huh? It's made of maybe the back is made of a goat skin or whatever leather from camel state. That it is what it is. You can you can't you can you can't say well for all that are ebos it can be a leather for Hausa people but for us it's plastic. That's madness. Yeah? If it's if it, if it, it is what it is. Ob- objective truth, objective reality is fact as it is. Obi is a boy. Is a boy, yeah. Of course, you can't say that anymore since I'm just studying. Yeah, subjectivism has to do with how you, your own inner personal perception. Okay. Uh, the broadcast is forty. I don't know what GB is complaining about. You guys can check with him so they can hear what we are saying clearly. Okay. So the paragraph five talks about our own personal experiences with the scripture. The scripture, this, the fact is that it's the authority is the word of God. You have to believe it. Full stop. But the, 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 our forefathers were much clever not just to leave it there like, well, take it, it's not like take it or take it or leave it matter. It comes to our own level. And it talks about, there are two things we learn from paragraph five. That even though we kind of discount the church and the bishops and whoever it is, they have a place. They say we can be moved and induced. The church, the way I'm preaching to you now, I'm inducing you. I'm moving you to, 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 to open your eyes, perhaps to see the excellencies, the, the high esteem of the Holy Scripture, the heavenliness, the, the the, the Holy Scripture is so sublime. And the pastor, the church, can move his member to a reverent interaction with the Holy Scripture. And that can do a lot of work. You want to have a church where Scripture is demeaned. Because the Scripture, in and of itself, is full of excellence. It's so beautiful. And the, the, the fathers gave this argument that even yeah, the scripture is, of, is, is authoritative in and of itself, the church too add their lips to it. Christians from all ages add their voices to it. The, 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 the loftiness of the scripture is held in all of the places where the gospel is preached faithfully. We can be moved and induced by that. But you see, yet the divine authority thereof is from the inward work of the Holy Spirit. It is not enough because we are naturally blind. It is possible, it is possible actually for people to look at the book and call it stone. It is possible for skeptics to look at what is white and call it black. So you are being brainwashed. Oh, this is not the word of God. He, he, the, 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 the 1689 fathers came down to us. A Christian is indwelt by the Holy Spirit. As I was preaching on Sunday from uh, John 15, the Bible said, Jesus said that the Holy Spirit will take what is of me and apply it to your heart. 
at the point of a Christian life, a, a private individual Christian life, you are not going to believe the scripture because the scripture is an authority from God. Even Satan knows that. You are not going to believe the scripture because your pastor says the word of God. Yeah, anybody can just believe. You are going to hold on to the scripture. Why? The Holy Spirit. Bear witness in your heart that this is the word of God. When you open this Bible and the Holy Spirit inside of you jump out, literally, the way I just sort of jump out spiritually, and then he's illuminating, he's making, he's, you know, if you are a genuine Christian, you know that this book is not an ordinary book. There is an inner witness. That is in the area of subjectivity. You are not being forced. Scripture is not being forced down your throat. You say, believe it or we cut off your head. It is that a believer accepts the authority of the scripture because of the inner witness. And if there is no inner witness in the Christian life, it becomes boring, it becomes a kind of a drudgery, like a duty. Have you seen people that serve God with force before? The pastor says, if you don't come to church, I was in the church before, if you don't come to Wednesday Bible class, you don't eat Holy, you don't eat Holy Communion the, the, the following Sunday. They will take attendance for Bible. I mean, you are coming to learn the Bible. And they have to put a law around your neck. And if you don't usually come in on four times, as communication. So you can skip Bible study one or two. Then you appear the third one. You have escaped as communication. Then you escaped. You didn't come playing games. Eh? It is if a healthy Christian that knows the working of the Holy Spirit is move from within. You have, it's, it's, it's like a force from within that confirms that this word is the infallible, inerrant word of God. That is what uh, the reformers uh, says. Okay? Any question? Or contribution? Let me round up tonight since, since you are quiet. If what I have just told you is true, I believe it's true. The implication is that if the Bible is the word of God, the Bible is the supreme court, the Bible is the final authority for Christian life, practice, and duties. The Bible sits above all of us, above the pastor, above the members. If there's something you say in this world that, they're, they're, that nobody is above the above the law, eh? actually, we say that from our, our mouths. We believe that Brian and family. If 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 something is a policeman now and today, it's forced on you to go and arrest Brian's wife. What will you tell me? Say, Pastor, you say, uh, DPO. Yeah. <laughs> what did I do you? Yeah. They also know that they are above the law. Do you know sometimes if the big man break uh, traffic law, the policeman will even salute himself? Eh? Mm-hmm. The same thing, the scripture, the Bible, 
no one is above the Bible. That's the first principle I want to lay down. No one is above the Bible. Do yourself a favor to know the scripture properly. Both the pastor and the members are under the Bible. We sit underneath it. He sits on top of us. In matters relating to our Christian faith and life. Is that one clear enough? As you say, yes, now it's difficult. What that means is that there's a responsibility on you that if a pastor is, is behaving as if he's above the scripture, what do you do to him? You, you call him to order. You appeal to his conscience. And in the extreme cases, you show him the door. The door. No one is above the scripture. No one is above the scripture. Let me, uh, let me warn you guys. I know when the church becomes so big, it can become politicized. Eh? That uh, if the children of this family commit sin, and there are poor people in the church, they say, well, elders will take action. But this other man here used to put one million naira in the offering box every Sunday. And then his children and all over the place. You bring his matter to the eldership for discussion. What would they say? Say, well, we know, we know, we know. But, you know, in the church, we use wisdom. So in, in, in the rich man case, you use wisdom. In the poor man case, you know, this, at, at the poor man level, the scripture is authority. The scripture is the magisterium over all. Do the church a favor. Apply the scripture to your own life and to the life of others. Let me give you a, a simple example. Matthew 18. I'm saying there is an argument between a brother and a brother or a sister. What do you do first of all? What do you do? You approach who? The brother. And then if the brother is not yielding, what do you do? And then if the brother is still not yielding, what do you do? The church is like the final point. But what do we have most time in our cycle? Where do we go first? Particularly if you know if you if you know church leaders, where do you go first? The church. You, you would think it's too slow to go through that route. You need justice quickly, quickly. You don't abuse the church. The Bible says, talk to him. If the person says, I'm sorry, you have won him. Continue your life. Should not be afraid to obey the Bible. We should not be. We should not bring our prejudices to the Bible. The Bible is clear; is the final authority. Anywhere the Bible speaks, we close our mouth. No matter how it's paining you, no matter how it drains you. Once it's like the issue in Supreme Court, you have a case from the lower court to uh, high court, then to appeal court, and then you reach the Supreme Court. What happened at that point? What happened at that point? Final. Even if new, even if new evidence comes up, it's over. It has been decided. Bye bye. Anytime the scripture speaks, do yourself a favor and be silent. Don't struggle with the scripture to say, "Eh, 
it was then, maybe now, we are disobeying God. The second thing I want to say is that about authority. Okay? The, the leadership, the, the way uh, the the, the way we, we read this and the way we explain this can somehow to those who are weak bring some kind of rebellion in the church. Where well, you are not really obeying the constituted authority. That's okay. The pastor said the Bible alone, the scripture alone, <laughs> scripture alone. And you're not even listening to other Christians. You're not listening to the elders. You're not listening to the leaders above you. They are also wrong. Why? The Bible also sets those authority in place. It's just that those authority, whether it's civil authority or ecclesiastical authority, they are subservient to the scripture. So you, you must do yourself a favor to obey your leaders. I think Hebrews tells us, obey your leaders. But your obedience to your leaders is to the extent of their compliance with the scriptures. I hope you understand that. That is my admonition to us tonight. Do yourself a favor. Read the Bible. Study it. Buy a commentary. Understand it clearly in all of its forms, shapes, and whatever is teaching. Take them in and live your life underneath it. Anything outside that is disobedience and you will not be blessed. Is there anything you want me to say I have not said about the authority of the scripture? It's like some of, some of your friends in the western, uh, in the global west with the, the issue of same-sex relationship, the issue of LGBTQ, whatever. Uh, they want to say, yeah, the Bible, yeah, but this year. The Bible says homosexuality is a sin. It is what it is. Don't say, okay, well, modern trend. No, it is what it is. Yeah. Uh, the Bible says, let women submit themselves to their husband, to their own husband. It is what it is. Whether they hold first class or second class, it's immaterial. The Bible says, let men love their wife sacrificially. It is what it is. The Bible said, well, we should flee all the appearances of evil. It is what it is. You can't excuse. You can't say, eh, I'm, I'm, in, I'm in sexual immorality because my, my, I'm having generational curse. Uh, my grandfather was a polygamist, therefore I can't help myself. You are your own. You can help yourself. If any man is in Christ, it's any good. This is what it is. And finally, don't be afraid that of these cowboys around the country. I mean, people can't even leave a local church. Not because they want to stay there. Why do they want to go? They can't go. Pastor, if you leave this commission, they are not sure they are going to be in this commission for the next 15 years. Don't eat, don't eat this Holy Communion. God, this thing is not too pure. Papa say. But see, this Papa, yeah, this prophet has given 10 prophecies in the last month. It has not happened. They say, but 
what happened last night. Thank you, is giving rice to poor people. Even your politicians are there giving rice to poor people. Can't you see this man of God is sponsoring people to, to, to school? Let's talk about his teaching. No, he's a good man. What does human goodness have to do with the scripture? The scriptures. The scriptures. The beautiful holy scripture. The idea of authority. Many of us are, when we hear the word authority, it's like, this authority is a sweet authority that if you read, as, as this mother was talking about, Calvin, in his introductory remark to the book of Job, he said it is, it is a great thing to be servants of the Almighty God. To, 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 to put your neck under the authority of the scripture. There is nothing that is more, more beautiful honorable, virtuous, anywhere in the world. Submit your neck to the authority of the scripture. Then you say yes, you say yes. And when the scripture praises his mouth, we dare not open our mouth. We dare not open our mouth. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. If there's no any thing that is burning your stomach, then I assume I'm clear enough. Okay. Have I been so clear enough today? Be so clear? Okay. We are walking our way through 1689. Uh, we, we have dealt with the, the first thing we dealt with was what? What, what was the first topic we dealt with? What are these? The necessity. We've forgotten, huh? The necessity, the scripture is necessary. And then we look at the issue of inspiration and canonicity. And today we have dealt with the issue of authority. And I think next week we should be dealing with the, the clarity of the scriptures. Then you can bring in some of those questions we're going to ask before if this particular part is not clear, what do we do with it and all that? Loving God, we thank you tonight for your ignorant word. It is a great thing that we are under the authority of the scripture and not the authority of the Pope, the prophets, the bishops, the pastors, the evangelists, or whoever. On this mountain, we we'll lay down our lives if need be. Help me and my brothers and sisters tonight that we become loyal, committed disciples of the Holy Word of God. Help us to love it, treasure it, read it, preach it, live it for the rest of our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. For the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us now and evermore. Amen. Good night, everyone.